Good morning. It's Wednesday, September 4th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined this and every weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor, Trey Scott. Trey, we don't normally have a lot of time to talk about the weather here on the podcast, but Mother Nature is leaving us no choice. Hurricane Dorian's impact on sports is obviously secondary to some of the big picture stories involving people affected. But as the Category 2 hurricane already reportedly has claimed seven lives and as it's churned over the Bahamas, and Dorian is making its way up the Atlantic coast, and its shadow is looming heavily over the Week 2 college football schedule. Yeah, Connor, uh, two games, Presbyterian versus Stetson and Southeastern Louisiana versus Bethune-Cookman have been canceled. I don't think we're expecting any cancellations on the FBS level. Um, I'm about to paint with a really broad brush. So if you're a fan of one of these schools and you hear your team name, I would just recommend you know looking for more info elsewhere. But the following games are at least in Dorian's projected path and storm trajectory, so they could be affected. Charleston Southern at South Carolina, Western Carolina at NC State, South Florida at Georgia Tech, Texas A&M at Clemson, Charlotte at Appalachian State, Murray State at Georgia, Louisiana Monroe at Florida State, Furman at Georgia State, Western Kentucky at Florida International, UT Martin at Florida, and Miami at North Carolina. Connor, so far, nice weather is in the forecast for the games in the Carolinas on Saturday, but as Duke coach David Cutcliffe pointed out today, All right. Yesterday, it's hard to really bank on that given how slow Dorian is moving. You don't know what's going to happen in a few days out. Uh, The fix to the game that would have been the most in doubt, Charleston Southern versus South Carolina, has Charleston Southern stayed in Charlotte, busing to Columbia every day to practice, lift, and eat at USC's facilities. Mm. We had the AP Top 25 come out, as well as the coaches poll for Week 2 on Tuesday. Until the college football playoff rankings are unveiled later this fall in the first week of November, the College Football Daily will recognize the AP Top 25 as its official poll, and no others. Here are the notable changes. Notre Dame moved up a spot from 9 to 8, as did Texas from 10 to 9. Auburn soared from 16 to 10. Florida dropped from 8 to 11. Oregon fell from 11 to 16, despite barely losing to a team ranked ahead of it. Uh, Boise State went from unranked to 24, and Nebraska and Iowa State each dropped some after unimpressive Week 1 wins, but managed to stay tied at 25th. The USC Trojans, their receiving core is among the least of their worries, Connor. They're currently trying to navigate a brutally front-loaded schedule without star quarterback JT Daniels. But they did get some good news uh, Tuesday evening with the with the report that Kyle Ford, a five-star receiver in the top 247 for the class of 2019, who tore his ACL last year, is clear to play and is practicing. That's an especially nice boon given Brew McCoy, a fellow five-star receiver, is still not uh, ready to practice for the Trojans. So maybe that's a, a big boon for uh, Keaton Slovis. Yeah, speaking of Slovis, in the in the spotlight now as the number one quarterback for USC with JT Daniels out, but I feel like we don't know a whole lot about the guy. So I decided to call up Greg Biggins, who's out in L.A., and uh, he evaluated Slovis, who's from Scottsdale, Arizona, and also a couple of other quarterbacks we're interested in this week recently got our first looks at or will get our first look at uh, uh, Hank Bachmeyer for Boise State and Ryan Holinsky for South Carolina. 
So, Greg, Hank Bachmeyer has captured a lot of people's attentions here, and it was 24-7 Sports True Freshman of the Week for his 407-yard performance against Florida State in his debut as a true freshman on the road in Tallahassee. Uh, Bachmeyer is from Marietta, California, right kind of in your backyard of your uh, where you live and uh, evaluate players. And so I just wondered whether – you had any strong opinions about Bachmeyer coming into this season from what you saw from him as a high schooler? Yeah, so I loved Hank. He's you know four-year starter, which is pretty rare. Um, but I think the thing that jumped out about Hank, and we kind of saw it against Florida State, was his toughness. I mean, he uh, would stand in and take shot after shot after shot, but never would flinch. I mean, he would just stand in the pocket and, and make big throws down the field. Uh, more mobile than given credit for. He would take off and run when he had to. Kind of had a gunslinger mentality as well. Um, not comparing him stylistically, but like kind of a Brett Favre mentality in the, in the sense that, man, he loved to get the ball down the field and uh, just, you know, didn't care if he threw an interception the previous possession. He, he was going to go for it. So uh, a guy who's extremely smart, extremely intelligent. Um, but I think what stood out and why I thought he had a chance to play as a true freshman, which is kind of his poise and his maturity, and uh, obviously, you know, he had a great opening weekend for him. Yeah, I mean, I remember one play in that game, and it's just a little thing, but, like, I mean, Florida State was coming after him. And they, and one play, one of the Florida State pass rushers knocked him, kind of, like, knocked his helmet halfway off, and he, as he's, like, falling to the ground, he straightens his helmet enough so that he can keep an eye on what ended up happening downfield and it's just like a little thing but i was like okay dang this guy's <laughs> tough <laughs> yeah no and i think for a quarterback i mean for me i think two things that i a lot of people may overlook that's not always easy to see in a high school quarterback but i have a high value in is, is poison toughness and you, you can't always tell that when you're just watching a guy's highlight film because all you're seeing just is just the good plays but man I, I think toughness translates so well to college from high school to college and Man, he is an absolute gamer. And I've seen him at camps where you're like the guys struggle to complete just simple passes. And then you're going, oh, man, Hank. And then you go watch his game film and you're seeing the guy throwing the ball down the field. You're going, man, what happened to that guy at this, you know, shirt and shorts deal? So it's like some guys are practice players and some guys are gamers. And Hank's the ultimate gamer. So looking at his where he ended up ranked in the class of 2019, ends up at 356 overall in the top 247. It looks like he started out at 186. I, I'm not coming at this in like attack mode, but I'm just kind of <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of curious like what the conversations were like about his ranking and him slipping a little bit as the evaluation of that class went on. No, I mean, it's a very fair question. And it's the, the thing with Hank was it wasn't a case of him maybe, you know, peaking early. But basically, from a physical standpoint, he kind of was the same guy as, as a senior as he was as a sophomore. Whereas you didn't see, you know, you see other guys kind of making that jump um, in terms of, you know, maybe arm strength or, you know, accuracy, um, athleticism, you know, all the physical traits. He was always just kind of solid across the board. And, you know, when you're doing an NFL draft as your projection you know now if this was a college projection i think hank would be you know a top two four seven guy but just in terms of his nfl traits we didn't really see uh his physical tools kind of you know on par with some of the other guys that were in our top 100 or top 150 so um solid across the board he didn't have really any but he didn't really have any physical stuff that wowed you either so i think that's kind of what caused the drop and it wasn't 
like you said, it wasn't a case of him, you know, performing poorly or even, you know, overval, you know, overvaluing the fact that he didn't ever do great in camps. It was just looking at the physical upside and just thinking, you know what, he he may have kind of peaked out a little bit right now, and we don't know how much better he's going to get between now and you know three or four years from now, and that's kind of where his rating and kind of ended up. Now let's talk about Ryan Helinski, who now finds himself in a as an SEC starter. Uh, two games into his college career. I know, Greg, you wrote the evaluation for him on his player page. I think you've got South Carolina fans pretty fired up right now as they're kind of saying, okay, let's find out a little bit more about our new starting quarterback. Um, But, I mean, South Carolina is a team that uh, has, by some measures, the toughest schedule in the country. What are you kind of expecting to see out of him over the next few weeks. So Ryan is a guy who, if you protect him, I think he has the ability, even as a true freshman, to come in and, and carve a defense up. You know, he's got a live arm out quick. He has the deep ball. He can throw with touch. He can kind of change speeds. He's super smart. I think his deficiencies right now are probably just maybe his pocket mobility. He's not um, the guy who's going to, you know, like like Hank, he's not going to maybe make a lot of guys miss or, or run for a ton of yards. So that's my only concern for him. As long as he, you know, can identify the blitz packages that are coming, because you know they're going to be coming after him, being a true freshman. If he can, you know, do a good, good job of identifying those and getting the ball out quick and finding his hot guys, and doesn't have to run around for his life, I think he has a chance to be really, really good. I would have loved to have seen him be able to, you know, maybe red, you know, red shirt and not play his second game start his second game but I think mentally he's he's ready to go I mean everyone knows his story you know he's about as mature a college freshman as you're ever going to see and a, as great a kid as you're ever, ever going to see I mean he's the guy who everybody's going to be rooting for because not just because of his story but just because of what kind of person he is but my only concern like I said is just mobility um, but from a pure arm talent standpoint I think he can get it done it's a it's kind of wild that um, I feel the last guy I want to talk about Keaton Slovis we're talking about three quarterbacks one from Boise one from South Carolina and it's the Southern Cal guy that people maybe know the least about at this point in terms of average college football fan off the street so uh, what can you tell us about him so I'm not just saying this because he is now starting but I actually liked him I think a little little bit more than than, than some others did, and I think he's better than, um, you know, than a lot of people expected. And the reason why I, I think that I saw him in Vegas, and physically I, I liked him. I liked the release. I, I liked the ability to just think quickly. Noticed in drills, he was one of the guys that was able to pick up stuff right away. Being a former Rams fan, current Rams fan, uh, obviously huge, huge Kurt Warner fan, who was his quarterback coach, and so. I'm watching the tape and I'm seeing a guy who obviously can process extremely quick. And that's another thing I value, you know, along with the toughness and the accuracy is it's a guy who can come in and be able to process and pick up a defense and pick up a playbook, an offensive playbook and make it functional for him. And I, I, because of all those things, I thought he had a chance. Now I was still surprised to see him get that number two spot over Jack Sears, but I thought here's a guy who is going to be coming in with an advanced um, ability in terms of the mental part of it. He won't be overwhelmed. He's going to be prepared, be prepared, uh, prepared for everything he's going to see. And then now, now physically, can he do it? And honestly, I saw a guy who I thought was pretty good physically, and I guess he's made a big jump between high school to now because they're describing him. And you even saw it in the Fresno State game. He's got a really live 
accurate downfield arm. In high school, I thought he had you know a good arm. And you don't always see this. Maybe Jared Goff is a guy that jumps to mind whose arm strength increased from high school to college. A lot of times you kind of are what you are. But I think Slovis, his ability to, to make a lot of the throws may have you know been undersold coming out of high school. And, and now he drew raves after some of the spring practices and fall camp with just his arm talent. So combine the arm with the, with the head and the poise and just knowing the game so well coming in. Um, I'm not shocked he is where he's at. I'm a little surprised that he beat out Sears, but I'm not shocked that he's number two and now number one. If you enjoyed Greg Biggins' insight there, I have excellent news for you. Greg has his own podcast, The Biggins and Power Hour, with uh, his co-host is Charles Power, also a recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. I produced that podcast so I can tell you firsthand those guys really know their stuff and get into some really interesting conversations every week. That is for the diehard recruiting fan. They really get into the nitty gritty and uh, head on over to 247sports.com forward slash podcast to find the Biggins and Power Hour. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend to check us out, and tell an enemy to check us out. For Trey Scott, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.